Welcome to the Service Management Leadership Podcast with Jeffrey Tiefertiller. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Service Management Leadership Podcast. I have a great guest this week, Aravinda Killaroo. Aravinda, how are you today? I'm good, Jeff. Thank you for having me here today. I'm really excited. I am too. So your background is different than our, our previous guests, and that's what I'm shooting for, just to have a little bit of uh, difference of background and exper experience and expertise. So you have an impressive work history specializing in shopping mall retail, spending many years at Sears and now at Foot Locker, a store I like visiting when I'm in a mall. What about this industry? Could the audience possibly know better or not fully understand? Okay, uh, first of all, thank you so much um, for having me here. So I would like to tweak that question in a different way. It is okay. not whatever this industry could audience possibly fully understand. Audience understands, uh, like, you know, about the retailers because uh, technology has made uh, our audience and the customers are smarter than the retailers itself, right? And uh, 10 years back, if you see, we don't know what kind of trends going on in the world, what kind of a particular trends going on on one particular, whether it is electronics uh, or like home electronics or electronic gadgets or like your clothing. So we have evolved so much in the last 10 to 15 years where we were, where we are right now. So audience totally understand uh, whoever is listening to this podcast. Uh, so however, if you are completely from a, like a healthcare background, if you are completely from like an insurance vertical background and you don't even have any idea how retail works, but uh, in my opinion, that, that is like a very narrow audience, I guess, because the technology made it available in front of you. You can go to online, you can read about anything. But the struggles retail industry goes behind the scenes to attract the consumers, you may not have an entire idea. So that is the one struggle I can see people are like trying to understand. So you see a lot of like a social advertisement. What goes really behind the scenes to catch an eye of the customers, to build the trust in the customers? What kind of effort retailers literally invest to attract that kind of a trust, that confidence, and build that brand value. So maybe that knowledge is uh, like not there in everyone, but uh, you can do a lot of research these days online. And um, I agree with most of where you were going with that. The one caveat I would add is some retail has thin clients, some have registers that have great technology, uh, capabilities, plus the supply chain and the inventory, a lot of that behind the scenes, uh, when we think of just how all that's put together, it looks a lot different from uh, healthcare or banking or some of those other industries. I, I'm with you that, you know, the infrastructure looks similar and a lot of it's similar, but just how the pieces are put together in the services platform Sometimes there's a little difference, especially with retail, because so much of it's supply chain, inventory, metrics driven, things of that nature. 
Is that something you agree with or do you disagree with that? Uh, yes, I do agree with it. There is like a more to it because going back to the same point, uh, how technology has made customers smarter than retailers itself, right? right? So I will give you an example. You can furnish the, your store environment. You can make uh, the company's website very, very attractive, easy to use, uh, or like you can offer like you know any kind of a checkout, a faster checkout solutions. Via you, you can literally walk into your store, your iPhone. You can literally check the inventory, whatever available in that shop in your phone, and uh, you can like literally fast checkout. You don't even have to stand in the line. You can invest all this technology to like you know enhance the efficiencies of the like a point of sale environment. However, is it the right like that is the only thing that connects the customers with your brand? That is one of the, the like you know bigger things, right? The bigger thing is how well you can connect with your customer, and then how well you can make the customer believe you are here to transform the life in a positive way. You are here to make a difference in their life in the community as well. And you are here to make a difference so that they can invest their money in the right choices. So that is where this entire consumer data and analytics will come into handy. Infrastructure always helps to speed up the things so that the customers will not get upset because it's standing in line or checkout process is cumbersome, or I reserved certain kind of like, you know, item on the website by the time I went to the checkout and the payout option, and it is saying the stock is not available. So those things can be easily resolved. You can build the confidence, but the much bigger thing that retailers have to focus these days is, this is one aspect of it, but how can we build the trust is another aspect of it. Everything goes hand in hand. And, and you brought up an interesting point how, and this is kind of the, the, the inverse of it is our ITSM tools The you know, I don't want to name the tool makers, but you know, we all know who they are. They've actually built their self-service portals to model what we see from retail, which is kind of an interesting dynamic. You know, they want to, you're a, at a big company and you want to order a you know, you need a new mouse. It looks very similar to a retail checkout. So it's interesting how that's come full circle. You have an experience, a lot of experience in service delivery. It's a popular topic here on the podcast. And we're always asking, how do we deliver the best service for our customers? And what makes you so passionate about service delivery? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, that is really my passion. I have been continuing in this uh, field from last, uh, uh, I believe, 15 years straight in IT service delivery and operations. Uh, that is a great question. Why it is critical? Because uh, everything is evolves around uh, the brand value. So let's talk about a little bit. The brand value means, let's say you're offering services uh, uh, to your internal customers you are supporting their technology needs. They are supporting application services or like an offering any kind of services from your support operation. End of the day, you are empowering your internal customers so that they can take those tools, those applications and their technology and offering the same kind of like a convincing, easy to use kind of experience for their external customers. So uh, if we are em empowering our internal customers, 
our internal customers, the same company employees, they can empower the outside customers. So it's all like evolves together. And uh, I'll, I'll give you one simple example. Let's say if there is a retail store. The retail store is like a you know, top revenue kind of store for in any corporation or like any medium kind of revenue. Take two of those examples. Uh, those kind of store, if uh, like, you know, any point of sales system is down or like a one register is down or like a mobile point of sale devices are down, that means it is impacting their operational efficiencies in the process of servicing the customers. So everything, the, the faster we resolve, the faster we make sure our internal customers are very well equipped, empowered to service the outside customers, that is how we are servicing together the entire community internally, externally. So that is why that, that thought itself gives me a lot of excitement and a lot of motivation. End of the day, every single piece in the service delivery adds the brand to the brand value. And I'm, I, I track 100% with you on that. And to me, so much about service delivery in many organizations is subjective. And so the people who are passionate about it, they try to incorporate measures and metrics because we want to move it from objective. Like, I, I think this is good delivery. I think we're getting good service, but we want to move it to, we want to move it from subjective to objective where we can now measure and we can have some, some very well-reasoned discussions. And so, you know, we want to move to that how do we measure this? How do we do this in a way that everybody agrees on or targets? So given that, what are some of your favorite measurements or metrics that you uh, you think are valuable in the service delivery uh, world? I love that question, Jeff. Um, I will tell you why I love that question. So no matter who you talk in the industry and especially in the service delivery, everything is, uh, nowadays it is measurable to the immense detail level. You can talk about any kind of service, how the trends are going and then what kind of issues we are looking. However, my most favorite topic in all these measurements is maybe you cannot measure it really. However, the customer satisfaction, you can measure at a certain level, but I always encourage my teams or my always encourage my peers. So when you have a customer satisfaction survey results, make an effort to go out and touch base with the people and get their feedback. So sometimes you hear something they don't even have or find a time to tell you about it. And you need to take that additional step forward to reach out to them to find out. The same thing, companies will tell you to fill in the survey, how we do it. How many times we see, like, you know, we go to a store, we get this survey queue, like a link, and how many times we take a time to even complete. But if you complete, that literally defines the maturity for that company, for that particular space, which is the customer experience. So uh, I give tons of importance to the customer satisfaction. We, even though my team, sometimes they say, hey, we are receiving like 96% of the satisfaction. That doesn't mean that you are like, you have a satisfied customer everywhere. Maybe out of 12,000 people you service, or maybe 1,000 people fill the survey. Out of 1,000, you are good for 98%. What about the 11,000 rest of the people? 
So I always encourage randomly and reach out to your internal customers and then check out how we are doing. Do you think, are you feel satisfied? Is there anything else that you think we can like you know, improve upon? Those kind of like, you know, measurements are really key in my opinion in service delivery. It doesn't have to be always a perfectly measurable, but reach out, go to the people, talk to them and introduce your teams and then see what else is we are missing. Right, because there are blind spots. And you brought up an yep. interesting point. Uh, I mean, when I say blind spots, we all have them. And so we, you know, we want to get feedback to try to address them. You brought up an interesting point, though, to me, is this is just my nature. If I'm in a, a store or restaurant and I have bad service or something goes wrong, I usually don't say anything because I don't want to be that person, right? And, but we, we vote with our, our wallet, so to speak. And so it's capturing the feedback from those people because I'm not going to blast on service on social media, you know, any of that. The customer, the the retail or the restaurant or whoever it is, they will have to reach out to get my feedback. And so yeah. most people don't want the confrontation. You know, they don't want they're they're good people. They're not trying to do anything. They just had a bad experience, and so. It's up to the the organization to say, okay, how do we find these people that and ask what their experience was, as well as help us improve, help us, uh, you know, provide awesome service to you the next time. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, because uh, so, no matter how hard you try, you can never get hundred percent feedback from your customers, whether it is internally your own company employees or outside your like literally your customers. Um, but you are continuously going to try your best to reach out to certain levels so that you can understand the trends. And then another thing is you need to show them you care. It's not only to understand the feedback, you are reaching out to them because you care about the service that you are offering to them. You care to improve your services that you are offering to them. And then we need to tell them this three-minute to two-minute time is really critical so that we can be better at servicing you as our customer. So that is a con ongoing, a continuous uh, like you know, uh, trials that we continue to need to stay on top of it. But like I said, you can never get that 100% completion from your customers. And it'll never be 100% positive, you know, and nope. And it's okay. I don't mean that badly. It's, you know, if I pulled my family, they wouldn't be 100% positive with me all the time, you know, and it's just we're people and we're, we're trying our best and we want to get better. And so the interesting part from my experience, I have a, a lot of years in the point of sale world on the hospitality side, not the retail. And it's interesting because service delivery, when there's a point to sell registers or, you know, we're, I'm talking in-person retail, the service delivery, especially with busy time coming up, really takes a different look, doesn't it? With those, you know, how quickly can we cash people out? If a register's down, it costs us money, you know, training for those registers, all of that kind of thought process is big when you mentioned the customer experience, that, that sort of thing has to have a, a big impact on service delivery, doesn't it? Yes, absolutely it does. 
the way it works in the retail industry is uh, if you are one unhappy customer, the impact is really high in the retail industry. Um, so there are diff- different ways uh, because I have been in the retail and especially IT service delivery and operations for so long. I have seen it all, why it is critical to like, you know, like stay on top of your game. And uh, you don't want to turn, like have a customer turn around and like leave the store or like leave your website without buying because our like a technical um, infrastructure or technical applications are not readily like you know some available to provide the right service. So especially in the holiday season, starting from um, November, December, two months completely. What I have observed and what I have implemented personally in the uh, supporting those two critical months, we take the measures throughout the year, 10 months the rest of the year to make sure any systems related to point of sale environment like you know, will not go down. And if at all, even one register goes down, one application goes down, what is the plan B contingency plan? And then out of, so we take the measurements at the maximum level. I'll give you an example. If you take a store, a store can have like a 10 registers and another small size store will have only two registers. The contingency plan works on the size of the store, number of customers to visit and then type of register. 10 registers so like in a shop and then a two registers goes down and you are still good to go and we will measure how many mobile point of sale devices you have so that your customers will not be impacted. And we will make sure they have additional equipment available on the site in the back office as well. If it comes to two register shops, that is much more critical because one register goes down, you have like 20 people in each register line. That means you have like, the line will be uh, prolonged and the, the wait times will be really high. So in those scenarios, we always take additional measurements, like you know, ship those registers ahead of the time. Make sure you have additional point of sale mobile equipment available on hand, so that uh, like a staff like a stay on the line along with the customers complete the transactions, and we test the applications to the maximum level, and how many uh, transactions they can take in real time. And if normally 1,000 transactions in a second or a minute, we will go up to 10,000 and test it. So we take all these measurements and then the network connectivity, the data centers connectivity, the entire infrastructure landscape availability, the application high availability, in order to serve the customers for two months in like a retail holiday season, we prepare the environment, make sure everything up and ready and work flawlessly for the rest of the 10 months. Because we care to serve our customers, we care about the business, and we care about making the difference in how they do the business with us, which is really critical in the retail environment. Oh, yes. And uh, you kind of morphed into my next question, which is great. And I can say from those in the, that are understanding, even like fast food restaurants, people there's a drive-through window and there's a certain amount of time people will wait before they just give up and get out of line. And the same as retail. And in fact, some fast food, they put that register that's at the drive-through, they, if it's down, it could cost them 10,000 an hour, which seems crazy, right? But yeah. uh, it's that important. And I would say the same in your industry. And so you talked a lot about busy season and how to accommodate the maximum uptime and the 
the measurements and the contingency plans and all of that. And I do agree, I, I love the idea of, even with the cost of registers being pretty high, the cost of downtime is even higher, <laughs> you know, so it's worth having spares at, at some locations. And so what other measurements or adjustments do you make for a busy season? Yeah, absolutely. That's a very good point of time, like a question. So, and uh, the way we work, let's say a type of issue, five priority, one priority, two type of issues so that comes uh, in the, like uh, from the stores, from the online business, usually like uh, within uh, 15 minutes, you acknowledge the ticket within 30 minutes or one hour, you are supposed to resolve the tickets. Every company has the measurements. And uh, even though ITEL dictates a certain measurements, but the companies will tweak as per their requirements and the type of the nature of the business as well. In the retail industry, starting from November and December, the way we tweak this SLES is literally 50 times like a reduction. And any kind of issue that comes, the priority one, priority two type of issues, it should be acknowledged less than five minutes and try your best to resolve within 30 minutes. If not, we will stretch up to one year and otherwise it will be high priority, all hands on deck kind of issue and communications going out. Even though one store is down, the store may like impact the revenue. You don't even know, maybe 200,000, maybe 100,000. Every penny matters to the company. Every penny is valuable to the company, right? So that is how we reduce uh, these uh, SLA timings significantly because it's all hands on deck. Especially when you are in the retail world, starting from November, December, the support teams work around the clock. Even though environment is stable, you are supposed to monitor the environment around the clock, make sure that you are giving that heightened awareness to every simple issue because you don't want to take that risk. And the first call resolution is really matters. And then the third level support and then architect teams, the development, everyone is on the, like, you know, readily available to resolve. Like I said, all hands on deck, resolve the issues. Stores should not see any issue. Our websites should not see any kind of hiccups coming in these two months because this is the most busy season that most of the companies, the retailers make a, uh, lion's share of this, their income for the rest of the year. Exactly. And, you know, so there's so many factors in there. And so everybody, and let's get, we'll start talking about ITIL and service management and the, in the retail industry. But, and I'll ask you about that, but I wanted to throw this out to the audience. It's okay to alter your priority matrix for busy season. You know, a P3 non-busy season could be a P1 or P2 busy season just because you don't want any any hint of issues because you never know if that's the last time you're going to see that customer again. And so what does ITIL and service management look like in the retail industry? So ITIL and uh, overall service management is just like uh, any other company. And it is uh, like it is the best practice at the end of the day. So the catch in the retail industry is uh, we follow the same what ITIL dictates the rest of the 10 months, uh, like uh, for the year. 
and we follow the same procedures and the same kind of uh, what is your uh, response time and uh, resolution time for your p1 based on the urgent and based on the impact and we will define the priority everything goes to just like the rest of the world however we will add that additional spice called heightened awareness and we will educate the teams and even though it is okay to resolve within 30 minutes but try your best to resolve within 15 minutes if you can resolve you have time up to 2 hours let's not wait let's resolve less than 1 hour if we can that heightened awareness to resolve in the fast track manner is the key that is the difference between other industries and the retail industries however let me tell you one example and not only retail if you take a financials so like a financial vertical if you take a banks if you take a stock market imagine something going down in the busy stock market season and uh, the amount of money impacted can cause the amount of revenue impacted can cause and even though itel dictates something and people the service delivery teams add much more heightened awareness and priorities like much bigger than itel so it, it happens in the industry i i never worked in healthcare i don't know how it works but in the retail and financial vertical every every second is valuable yes in in our to the audience in our pre podcast meeting i mentioned even the you know reducing risk by having to change frost or freeze and the difference is only you know freeze is no change is no changes in a frost is you know through an escalation process or you know mechanism but you you want to take all those steps i'm asking a question uh, don't you that you want to you know eliminate risk because why why introduce risk in these two months that are so key to the company's bottom line absolutely so if it comes to change management having a solid change management having your like you know your it teams your business teams are very well aware of why change management is very critical and why we need to take all the measurements to understand the change what kind of impact we are causing what happens if the change goes south and then did we thoroughly test the change did we have all the proper approvals in place before we implement the change the change management is very critical and uh, 10 15 years back uh, when you say freeze starts from october 31st or november 1st or all the way up to january first week that means uh, no one is going to touch the production environment however there are always exceptional, exceptional scenarios so uh, some server change some configuration change some kind of a look and a feel of the website change however in last 15 years to today uh, the business change like drastically sometimes you need to satisfy by implementing some kind of a feature into your website so that it will be much more easier maybe business team did not think ahead of the time maybe competitor company is doing something that we wanted to do the similar that can be in the last minute so nowadays in my opinion the change freeze periods are kind of a slushy freeze period that means uh, you will do your best to avoid any change into the production environment in that particular freeze time however be flexible at the same time to implement certain changes that can satisfy business needs that can attract more customers to your company 
with the extra rigor and then make sure that you are like addressing that risk and make sure you plan to mitigate the risk so take at most a precaution before you implement the change so that is the nature that i have been observing and that that, that model has been somewhat successful lot of people may not agree and in ideal case you should not touch but the fast paced environment we are in from technology and from the business perspective there are times we should be flexible to adopt to that slushy model yes and i would i'm 100% agreement with you because the business they're the ones that we trust are in touch with the customers and what they need and so there will be times where your website needs some type of new feature or something of that nature two things uh, struck me as you were talking about that one is and i i say this just rhetorically is for everyone think about something as small as and it's really not that small the credit card reader at a terminal at a register it renders it useless to have many people and so the register could be good but the the com to the you know the communications to and from the register for the credit card could be faulty and now it's it's a big deal but when you mentioned features i think of how we have turned into for retail online to a 24 hours a day by 7 days a week society for retail which has really made an impact on the retail people like yourself because it's not just hey do your changes at night while there's nobody in the store there could be somebody shopping at midnight or 1 a.m. right that is right that is always right because there is no downtime for our retail website and then 89 as per the latest one of the report i was reading online 89% of the shoppers they do online research and then uh, like a, like right like a between 10 pm to all the way up to 2 pm like 2 am or 3 am in the morning that is the downtime for them so that they can calmly peacefully do their research so even though they are not buying and they are on the website checking things out that means there is no downtime literally yeah and it means that you could have customers outside your geographic region and so you could have customers in a country or time zone that you don't have stores and so it's it's really an interesting layer to think about through the service delivery through service management through all that thought process so covid is the popular topic and for all the wrong reasons and it's had a large impact on everything you know not in yeah, i don't want to go down those roads but everybody knows our lives have changed how has it changed for things in your area your groups how have you uh, changed maybe what you're doing how you're doing how you're doing it things of that nature that that's a great question so overall as everyone is aware covid has like you know changed every like a person's life in one way or the other way positive way or negative way in the middle way somewhere as well so most of the time we focus i encourage my team or my peers my friends and family focus is how can we connect, connect with each other in a positive way 
how can we emotionally lift each other like a work will be there um no matter like you know what day like a five days a week or seven days a week you have to work because you are in the particular job however what is the human element that we are missing when you are in office you can have all this great hallway conversations you can all have all this like you know face to face connections and communications you are missing all that kind of a fun and even though you are more productive and sometimes you can be on in front of your system but i always encourage people forget about work for some time when you meet with your team or like anyone in the company that you are talking i ask how their life is going on and share some positive stories of what is happening and then so and they lift each other up that is the more important to stay uh and uh, save your like uh, save you from your craziness that that is really critical in these days work will be there uh, and uh, your stress levels whatever the goals you have to accomplish everything will be there but not uh, forgetting that the human element is the key especially you are sitting somewhere in the remote location connecting technology is helping in a great deal you can see the person you can talk to them uh we i usually advise the teams to be on the video and then show your face and talk about some funny thing that happened while you are making breakfast some funny thing happened when you take your dog outside or like something with your husband or with your kids if you are okay to share talk about those issue like you know aspects then make sure that we are still connected we are just like normal human beings you are not alone so that is the key to like a connect much more stronger than before because you don't have that personal touch feeling like like before yes and that's i don't want to get on the soapbox too much but that's one of the things i see as a flaw in those that want to go 100% remote all the time is that it's harder to be empathetic it's hard to harder to connect on a personal level and i i think back to something that richard branson talks about when he talks about virgin airlines and he said take care of your people because they're the ones taking care of your customers and uh you know and it just it, it hits me pretty uh pretty much to the core because if so if my if my team is grouchy because i set a bad example and i'm not really caring about what's going on in their life then how are they going to be to the people they support it's it's not going to be a it's not going to be a win-win at all and so one of the other areas i noticed that you're in charge of is business continuity and it's my belief and i'm open for discussion for those that disagree how business continuity and service management are intertwined you know we care about what are the services how do we keep them up that sort of thing so on your business continuity plans i the customers i have the clients i have covid uh, caused us to reevaluate and look at things just a little bit different a little differently has it has it made an impact on your business continuity plans have you altered those thoughts especially now as we come into busy season has it had an impact at all on your business continuity absolutely yes so uh, so it service management and business continuity go hand in hand 
sometimes in some areas they call like you know service management continuity or service management plus business continuity because end of the day and especially in today's high highly competitive and service oriented business environment so we have every company organization like is judged on their ability to continue to like operate and to provide the service all the time so that is the expectation that every company uh, like every customer has towards the companies they deal with the same way the internal business continuity plans and internal associates have the same kind of expectation to your like uh, your leadership team right end of the day yes and uh, so i'll give you one example and most of the companies uh, nowadays uh, um, thanks to the laptops or like you know, mobile devices or like ipads like tablets anything and uh, most of the companies uh, like enabled their internal associates to work from anywhere in the globe kind of model even though they don't necessarily say it out loud that uh, that model was enabled uh, like you know um, to a greater extensive level last like a 5 to 10 years right mm-hmm. and uh, there are still some companies they still believe to come on site for that human element that interaction and everything even though you like an empower your teams with all this equipment but uh, there are some companies still people use the desktop so people prefer to use the desktop i have seen in my career as well even though in this age and in this technology of uh, in, in this age right and uh, when the business continued to start like like people started talking about this entire covid and even though you let's say you have 280 people or like you have 600 people they are like a heavy desktop users they prefer to use the desktop because they don't want to carry a laptop at home and that is totally okay in you don't uh, necessarily like you know have everyone using the laptop uh, but uh, the companies maybe never thought this kind of a situation would come on their way where you had to enable those people as well on your laptops then the question comes do you have enough laptops available do you have enough like an ipads or tablets are available and what kind of applications and then can we do they have even like a pieces at home can we like uh, have them uh, work with the citrix or vda sessions so these kind of uh, solutions uh, i don't know some of the companies never thought before that uh, covid taught a lesson to look into business continuity for internal um, employees a totally different way now every company every associate most of the people are working from home of course i'm not talking about uh, our great uh, healthcare professionals the doctors and nurses who has to be on said that's a different ball game right but the rest of the uh, people who can work from home uh, even like some people who are not willing to work from home they're like hey you know what i saved so much on my gas and then i have comfortable work life balance i don't have to like stay on the road uh, i don't know why i never chose this route i decided to stick to my like a desktop before now this laptop is working fine uh, but overall uh, that kind of struggle must be there and uh, but the systems it comes to the company's overall systems high availability and uh, that high availability uh, la- um, changed dramatically last 20 years or so you don't have to be on site to check the high availability to check the business continuity or disaster recovery of your systems or anything you can do everything literally remotely but what i have observed is uh, ha- enabling your business continuity plans internal customers was the key that most of the companies uh, were struggling to adopt before 
now they were like forced into that adoption yeah and the other piece i want to add to that is b uh, business continuity plans bc plans there it's more art than science and you know i i wrote a book about this and only because it's art and i say that because if you went to different retail establishments or companies they would all have different risks they would have different environments that you would have you couldn't just take the business continuity program or plans from one and apply them straight on to the other it would take a, an artist so to speak to make one into the other do you agree with that or do you think there's more synergy between the two so it's a, the, the, I agree, and there is more synergy to it as well. The reason is, uh, so before, uh, so I came from, uh, in my retail industry experience, I have, like a, um, I have seen the companies evolve from rich heritage technology and rich heritage kind of disaster recovery failure testing as well. And if it comes to 15 years back, I compare how we are doing right now. Uh, I don't know, in my opinion, uh, in my observation, where like I, I, um, I have been working in the retail industry, in last five years, these disaster recovery business continuity plans have been getting implemented flawlessly. And I still remember like in implementing a disaster recovery test back then 15 years back or so where we have people like literally driving or flying to a particular location, staying there in that location, and they're making sure everything is getting failover between that site and site A and site B. Now we can fail over everything without having anyone on site. So the technology evolved to a greater level and the most of the companies, I'm going to stress out one more time, the most of the companies literally evolved and matured adopting that model. Um, so it, it is it is kind of a seamless and it should be flawless. That is how it has been working on. And I, I, I agree with you, especially on the technology side. And, you know, business continuity yeah. also has like a people side and location side. And you mentioned uh, BDI just a few minutes ago in just licensing for VPN or BDI, ensuring that everybody has connectivity wherever they may be. You know, there, it, there's layers to this, this thought process that people have to consider. You know, I, I was doing business continuity plans for an electric utility and they thought, hey, if the power's out, we can just send all of our call center people home and they can work from home without thinking that if the power's out at the office, maybe the power's out at the home as well. And, you know, there's just those thought processes have to be have to you know give it some uh, time collect feedback that sort of thing so as we yeah, wrap, oh, yeah. go ahead go ahead no so i'm um, absolutely the people aspect of it we all learned some lessons uh, like in not only like one company every company learned their lessons uh, uh, from the people aspect uh, because that, that is the key. And then do you have the number of licenses available? If not, what is our game plan? How fast we can work with that company to improve the licensing count? So, uh, and we all learned because there is no perfect run book to run the show in the COVID situation when we all started into this, right? Yes, and that's, that's, the, that's where I think it's art. You know what I mean? Because every company solves the same problem a different way. Absolutely. And uh, 
it's just interesting. And I'm with you, even on the run book, think about how many people's run books now have to be uh, changed because of how we run these same systems has changed with COVID. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just added these layers of context. As we wrap up, and this is a question I ask a lot of the guests, and I do this just because I take our guests to be very bright, experienced people that they see their environment, they think, hey, we could have a big impact if. So if you had the resources, people, technology, money, what process, practice, investment would you attempt immediately just because you see the value in it? Yeah. So technology will be there as your backbone to support any situation. That is, that almost became a second nature given. However, having people ready to face the situation is the key. That is what I have learned in this COVID situation. And, and people get concerned. People will be alarmed. People who never like, you know, uh, worked in this kind of work from home model will be continuously concerned because I'm not seeing my manager. I'm not seeing him like or her like in the timely manner. I, I don't know how what he or he will be thinking. So and uh, in this entire work from home model enablement, one thing that I always encourage the teams to focus in, connect with the people to see how they are like you know, adopting this model, how well they are like you know, utilizing the technology that we are giving them, the tools that they are using, and uh, that human element is the key in my opinion. You can enable any kind of tools, you can enable any kind of technology, but end of the day, are they using effectively or not is the key. And if there is something that we need to change, having people be ready to adopt the new work from home model was the key and to talk to them often why this is critical, why it is important, but how can you work and sustain this model without feeling that kind of stress? And the rest of the things will follow along. Yes, and I agree with, I couldn't have said it better. You did a great job. Because I think if even the old ITIL B2, B3 talked about people, process, and technology, and everybody, even I, I enjoy process, I enjoy technology, but people are the ones that execute both of those. And so you're only going to be as good, you're only going to execute as well as your people do on both of those. Technology does what people tell it to and people execute your processes. So we appreciate you coming on the podcast, Aravinda, and sharing your, your experiences with us. And we, uh, we really do. And it's been a great conversation. So thank you. Thank you so much for extending the invitation to me, Jeff. I really enjoyed our conversation and uh, I'm looking forward to hear more podcasts coming from you on this topic. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Thank you. We'll be back with Jeffrey's closing thoughts. Hello everyone, this is Jeffrey and we're back with closing thoughts. What a great conversation with Aravinda. Her experience and expertise in the retail sector is really interesting to me. We're coming up on busy season for them. And if you notice the conversation, almost every industry has a busy season, quote unquote. But it's the service management 
processes, the practices, how we do things, how we measure things that allow us to support our business customers optimally, the best that we can. Because when we heard her experiences about service delivery at Foot Locker and before that at Sears, think about what happens if a register's down for a few hours even during a busy season, busy season for a shopping mall. That's, that's horrendous. And so we have to think from a service management point of view, change management, let's frost every change. Let's make it difficult to put changes in. Let's think of incident management. Maybe our, uh, our priority uh, matrix gets escalated and P2s now become P1s. We have to think about it with our business customers' lens, with their ears. How can we help them do a great job? And we at Service Management Leadership can help you. And so I took a big breath there just because I've seen a lot of this and I, I know we can help you. And so let me know, shoot me an email, give me a message, give me a phone call. Love to help you and your organization out. Have a great day.